Benjamin Castle are Americans. Watching the footy. Liam Ryan saying kick it my way, I want to jump over the pack and here he comes! This is going to be fun. Good time of day, everyone. For us, as we begin recording, it's 2.52 a.m., which means it's uh, less than an hour and a half after the trade period has ended. So it's as good a time as any to break it all down. Welcome to episode 142 of Americans Watching the Footy. I am Benjamin Castle, and I have been following everything throughout this trade period, watching it like a hawk. Well, not like Tyler Brockman, then. You do know that one, right? Yes, I do. Who are you? I'm Ethan Castle, and we were kind of trying to do our own version of what one of my favorite shows, Baseball Barbacast, has done a bunch of times where at the trade deadline, one of them goes dark, and then the other one breaks all the news to them shortly after the deadline. Yeah, I think this is the third or fourth year that they've done it, and first time we've tried it, and I mean... I've got my separate documents. I've got everything up to date. In theory, if everything went off without a hitch, then Ethan should not know anything that happened since that Tyler Rockman deal on Saturday, which is weird, by the way, that we had a Saturday deal. You usually see nothing go through on the weekends at all. That said, things did go off with hitches. I've I, been a bit of a bad boy. Uh, have you been a very good bad boy, though? Yes. Okay, firstly, I, I just want to say... Like, I'm just so fed up with the embargo in the first place. Like, why is it that nothing can get announced and, like, made official? I mean, obviously, the answer is for media purposes only to actually have, like, tight coverage on stuff. You know, usually it's just from, what, 3 to 7.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Time. They decided today, ah, you know what, let's move it up to 2. Why not? Just arbitrarily. And then Tom Morris told us, that the AFL system shuts at 7 p.m., so for any trade to be finished in the last 30 minutes, it all had to be done via email, and everybody sees seeing everyone just like, why would you not just have the window close at 7, or why would you not have everything stay online a bit longer? Yeah, that, that seems like a bit of an oversight. I think it could lead to some really, really funny situations. I mean, I'm thinking of, uh, I think it was... In 2017, an NFL trade that almost went through between the Bengals and Browns that would have had A.J. McCarron swapping Ohio teams. And I think it was the Browns didn't sign something that the Bengals had set off to the league. And D. Haslam just exploded, basically. I don't know the exact situation, but I think stuff like that is funny. I think stuff like that is also very preventable. It's extremely preventable. Now, you know, it's just weird in the first place that these trades are in such a tight window in the first place that lists are locked to a great extent aside from the draft, you know, four or five months out from the season. But uh, here we are. And I mean, at this point, Ethan, I, I have to ask the question, what did leak through? Like, like you want to go from like most mundane to most shocking? Uh, I'll just rattle them off. So here's the thing. We started out friends. I don't know what that's a reference to. I forget. Kelly Clarkson, since you've been gone. Got it. Okay. So I, again, tried to do everything I could to avoid all the information. Did you like mute terms and stuff or? However, I realized I still follow a bunch of stuff on my personal Twitter and that stuff on there came up when I wasn't looking for it. I've realized from this ways I could do it better next year. Good. Or we could have you do it next year. I was also thinking, what if, like if Apple brings back like fingerprint login stuff, then I could just sand off my fingerprints. Mm. Like like the real men in black approach. Yeah. Or like they, they burned them off. Okay, so anyway, there are a few things that I found through that. And because I realized I actually follow a fair amount of AFL stuff on Instagram. And next year, I'll just 
avoid that better. Or again, maybe you'll be the one and I'll break the stuff to you. Either way, what I know, you said you want to go from most mundane to most shocking. Why not? All right. Most mundane would be Big Owen Nguyen or Big Onion going from Richmond to North Melbourne. Yeah, another tall going North's way. Need to improve so many parts of their list. And I mean, I'm keen on Big Onion getting more opportunities anywhere. And, you know, we have like have really a special appreciation, I think, for the, the South Sudanese players. What you're not going to guess is how I found that one out. Uh, I'm, I think it was probably just from a player you followed uh, posting about it. Was it something that Harry Sheasel said? No, it was something that USF basketball player Josh Coonan posted to his Instagram story. I didn't know they had a connection. I had no idea either. I mean, does he qualify them as friend of a friend of the show, like Buku Kamas? I guess so. I mean, yeah. we're using the term friend pretty loosely. Yeah, I mean, I know um, one of Buku's friends growing up, um, Kwani Kwani, who was on the uh, Cal men's basketball team. And obviously, Buku is staying all with the Bulldogs, which surprised us in, in other ways, but... Okay, what else do you know? We did know that. Um, let's see. I mean, I knew there were a couple of things that were kind of all but official before I went dark, like Shane McAdam going to the D's and Liam Henry going to the Saints. I don't know anything about the compensation for either of them. I do know that those things were happening, though. You're correct. Um, I know that Geelong were making a push for Jack Billings, but I think the D's ended up. I'm not sure if they ended up winning out there, if he ended up getting moved at all. But OK, sounds like they were more likely to get him. Than we were. Yeah. Um, you know, let, let me just go over the, the compensation for those, uh, you know, the returns for those then because you brought them up already. So Big Onion, Biggie going from uh, Richmond to North. Richmond got a, a fourth rounder back, pick 65. Seems fair. Late third, early fourth, something like that makes sense. Yeah. And Richmond, they held on to that pick. That pick originally belonged to Hawthorne. Then he said, uh, McAdam, that was for Melbourne's second next year. Okay. I think McAdam can help really solve the absence of Jake Melksham if he gets into more marking contests. I mean, he's a pretty capable shot, and it's just and it's a matter of him just asserting himself more in the air, I think, because he's never been a super high average contested mark player. He's obviously going to need to rely on... Wait, well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll save the other D's talk for later, because maybe some spoilers there. Liam Henry... It was him for next year's second rounder for the Saints, along with a fourth round swap. I think this was poor return from Freo. They have a problem, I think, just understanding the value of their outside players. From uh, I don't know with this one because, I mean, he only had, you know, that like half season of games as a good defender. So maybe, maybe they're just not selling super high on him. I'm not, I don't hate that. I think maybe they could have gotten a little more for him, but. I think it's more than just a second, though. It's not like a criminal underpay like Blake Akers was. Blake Akers for a third. We're, we're still going to go on about that. Um, I know there was talks about Lockie Schultz to Collingwood. I don't know what ended up materializing there, so we'll get to that. Do you want to do that now or get to that later? Um, Let's hold on that one. Okay, uh, let's see. I know there was talk about Yvonne Soldo going to one of the Adelaide clubs. Okay, uh, we'll get to that in due time if that did indeed happen. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, trying to think if there are any, like, mid-level ones. I know about the big one, unfortunately. Fuck. Yeah, um, just say it. Jack Ginneman, Hawthorne, um, between following Leo from Six News and just Instagram and stuff, that was kind of hard to miss. Yeah. Yeah, um, as much as I would have, I would have loved to be in the dark on that, so I, I, I am so disappointed, because I, I, like, next year, if I'm gonna do this, I'll just, like, be on some other Twitter feed, and then if I want to post something to mine, I'll just switch over just for that, because I, I don't know, this, yeah, I had, like, I wish I hadn't gotten that spoiled. I had, um, like, a great thing planned, there was, like, a bunch of picks swapped between Hawthorne and Collingwood, I see 33's involved, and so is 33, but yeah, um, Ginnivan returns to his childhood club, I think he saw the writing on the wall that he might get pushed out. You think of guys like uh, Hardy Harrison, for example, who took a real step forward this year. Harrison showed some promise in his debut and had more of a scoring touch than Ginevan did, obviously, this past year. You saw what Ginevan did in his debut year, obviously. And Zach was also the main character of his debut year, really, which, like, I, I love that there's going to be some storylines out of him being somewhere else. 
But at the same time, I don't love this because like he was so clearly tied to Collingwood and him being gone just feels not right. Well, does it, it instantly makes Collingwood Hawthorne must see TV. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I would think that it was after Hawthorne beat him in their last meeting anyway. I also wonder, you know, what does this mean with like Hawthorne? You know, are they really going for it? Or is this just to fit in with their window for, you know, a year or two down the road? I think I think this does do that because Gideon still has a lot to iron out in his game. And I think he's got at least a year now where he'll be able to figure things out while still playing at AFL level and not having nearly as much pressure in terms of, you know, you got to perform now or you're getting dropped. I mean, I think he was lucky to stay in the side and even come into the 22 for the grand final. And, you know, he only found out that he was in the 22. Uh, well, he first found out because his father posted about it on Facebook. His his dad found out before he did. Apparently, I don't know how that works, but OK. Also, I don't know. Maybe he was already thinking about the races. I don't know what I do. I also know that I think Geelong did end up moving a salva to port. I don't know anything about about possible returns there, but I saw like a thank you, Asava or whatever. So I can only imagine they finally came to terms there. Yeah, I have no idea what the return is. So let me just go through uh, finishing the Ginevan stuff real quick. So Hawthorne gets Ginevan, pick 39, and Collingwood second and fourth for next year. Collingwood gets 33 and the second and third from Hawthorne. So a lot of picks moving around. I think this is maximizing Ginevan's value as to where it stands right now. Huh. I actually think Hawthorne come out on the better end of that. It seems like they... I do, I do as well. They didn't downgrade their picks very much out of this, did they? No. Well, that's... Yeah, I feel like... I, I Collingwood could have gotten a better pick return to do that. No? Maybe? I don't know. I mean, you know, there's the plethora of off-field issues that Ginevan has already had in his career between the races controversy, the ketamine, plenty of other things. Races, really? I'm talking the horse races. Go to the horse. I know that's not a controversy. Uh, seems like a people were really reading into that, and it seemed like Craig McRae may, may not have been as much of a fan as he had led on. But I think Hawthorne is the right place for him to be able to develop, and also for that coaching staff to reel him in because I think Sam Mitchell's the right kind of guy for that. I think. Mitchell's learned from his own days. But uh, yeah, all the Hawthorne accounts are having a lot of fun with that. I was going back and forth with Hawk Talk because somebody had tweeted just like, uh, give me, give me, give a man from the magpies. Trying to do the whole ABBA parody. I was like, screw it. Let me finish the chorus. Now I might need to record a whole song. And I have plenty of lyric ideas already. So uh, I guess watch for that. So do you want to go further here, Ethan, with the the recent stuff? Or maybe first we should actually recap or just talk about, you know, the points of interest from the early part of the trade period going from, uh, I guess, the sixth that we had our first couple free agent signings and compensations up to the 14th with Brockman. Like, what stood out to you from there? Because, I mean, I've been pretty vocal about stuff online. Here, let me just read them off in order. And if I have anything to say, I'll let you know. Uh, James Jordan for a second rounder, not much to say there. Matt Flynn for a second rounder, not much to say there. I just still think the amount of compensation in the AFL is ridiculous. And we, yeah, we can talk about the compensation system. Yeah, we've, we've gone on with this already. Um, If you listen to Donnie's disposal, uh, our friend Coach Donnie Hess's show, we had our season recap on there, and I just dug into that a bit. I think the AFL needs to find more of a, a medium like the NFL has where compensation doesn't start until later because it, it's a joke that you can get compensation and pick at. North could have gotten pick two compensation had they gotten the spoon. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, The way... Like, you, you can't... How can... With the Academy and the father-son and all that, you're already compromising the first round so much. Yeah, the, the way it should work, I think, is generally, you know, at the end of each round... Like, I like how that's done within American sports. Now we can talk about which round that should be and all sorts of things there. But I I think it's kind of ridiculous if you can just jump in, you know, and just slide in a pick in front of someone within a round. I think that is kind of messed up. Yeah, well, we've got a, a few cases of that. Obviously, well, Tom Duday was end of the first round. I was going to say, that seems like it's, it's, it's nearly entirely dependent on salary, which is 
a farce in and of itself that things like game experience and any sort of awards are taken into account like the NFL does. Now, first off, I want to ask, so he's out most of next year, right? Yeah, could come back late. We talked about this before. I think he could end up coming in for somebody like Ryan Lester, considering that he's out for a lot of this year. I think the Crows came out really good with that. 20th pick for Tom Duday? Yeah. No, and, I mean, the, these teams that are letting these guys go are wanting them to sign big deals. It feels weird to say that. Then we had the pick swap between the Suns and Bulldogs, where the Suns are just loading up on picks. Yeah, so we also had a pick swap between Frio and Port. Yeah, you understand the whole thing about why the Suns are trying to pick up so many picks, right? Because of Academy stuff? Yeah, they got like three or four Academy bids that they're probably going to need to match. Chiefly among them is Jed Walter, the big, who could end up being bid on as high as maybe pick two or three. So I, that's just very necessary for them to do. And, and it just leads to a really interesting situation for the Suns where, you know, their priority is gaining picks and points for that over maybe making some smarter list decisions uh, this time of year. Minor spoilers? Uh, let's see, what else? Frio and Port Adelaide swapping picks for next year mainly. Uh, Port did pick up uh, pick 25 then. Oh, it's now pick 25. Uh, Todd Goldstein signing with Essendon, Ben Mackay. That is going to look so weird. Yeah. Let's see. James Harns for a third rounder. I've said that the Bulldogs and D's need to play for the John Amos Cup, and I know John is already picking up the Bulldogs as a second team. I I think he's already got a Bulldogs jumper, and maybe he's just waiting for the number announcement to to get a number on the back. I mean, obviously, it ain't going to be four. I would think not. Um, Dylan Stevens to North. Did he coming out? Pretty good out of this, getting the end of the first rounder for next year. Yeah, yeah, which I guess was part of the care package, which we've talked about the concept. Yeah, but North North did a good job uh, trading those on already. Um, Stevens is obviously the big thing for him is going to be opportunity. He's going to get consistent time on the wing at North, who also got a second rounder out of that. That turns out to be pick 26. A lot of, I mean, Stevens was a number five pick four years ago. So there's obviously a lot of extra scrutiny going along with being picked up that high. And he's not alone in that regard. Let's see. We've got another Suns pick swap here. This one with the D's. Then we got Grundy and Adams going to Sydney. Yeah. So that, uh, that pick swap there, uh, Gold Coast and Melbourne, that's also part of a chain that involved Adelaide and North. So this was part of the whole dealings that, Brought Melbourne up to pick 11 along with pick six, which they have from Frio. Fitting that the uh, Luke Jackson pick ended up being six, given that was what he wore in red and blue. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and then the Crows got Chris Burgess out of that um, whole swap. Burgess, you may recall, was co-leading goal kicker in the VFL this past year. Both of those were on the Suns, and now both of them are not Suns because Brody McLaughlin was just let go. Yeah, um, seems like the Crows really came out of this one well. They got a first-rounder in exchange for two second-rounders and got some forward depth. I'd take that if I was Adelaide. I mean, I think part of this then would be just preparing for life post-text. Yeah. Because, I mean, you might need to replace McAdam a bit. You've already got Darcy Fogarty there in the mix, obviously. Taylor Walker looks ageless at this point. I just hope that this doesn't slide Riley Philthorpe down the charts at all. I think with his ruck craft... He ought to get more time. We're just very, very big Phil Thorpe believers here. He's, his stealing is very apparent from the debut he had a couple years back, showdown this year, the first of them. I just think a lot about that game-winning goal against the Saints he had in 2021. That was in Cairns, the, the over-the-head goal. Yes, that was awesome. That too, right. Let's see. Um, other observations I have here. North had a pick swap with the Suns. Also, yeah, that was part of the end of that chain there. Um... North came out, wow, Zach Fisher and a first-rounder for a couple of slightly later picks. That's, I love that deal for North. Yeah, the, the Blues have been stockpiling picks, and they're, they've been really trying to get a lot of picks for next year as well, because they have a couple father-sons, if not three, that are going to be really important for them to get. I think Andrew Walker's kid is one of them, and uh, Scott Camparelli's twin boys are the other. Two, I uh, they did really well in what was it like the pre grand final? Yeah, you know the team Selwood versus team Natanui game. It was a, I think it was Ben that had the the really really strong game and is considered you know a top ten talent at least in 
in next year's draft. And then Taylor Adams seems like he should be worth more than the 34th pick. I know he's a little older, but I, I'm surprised that it was just 34 that got it done. It was 33 at the time of the deal. But I think a lot of it comes down to the hamstring issues. But this provides some really important depth for the Swans, allows him and Luke Parker to shift between the center and some forward time. The, the photo of him on Wikipedia does not look anything like he currently looks like. Was it? Is it an old Giants photo? No, it's from 2017. Oh yeah, he he just got got flow in that. One. He he looks like he looks like he could be like Bobby Flay's cousin. It's it's he's looked like Bobby Flay with like little Billy Fritch almost hair wise. All right, but but um, but yeah, Adams and you've got you've got outside depth that the Swans added during. This period as well with Jordan, obviously they need to cover for Callum Mills for likely all of next year after his Mad Monday wrestling um, debacle that ended up busting his rotator cuff. I still can't believe that happened and that Jacob Constanti remains at the club. I mean, take, you know, they were obviously both willing participants. All right, moving on. We got Jade Gresham for a late first rounder. That, that's the compensation that pushed back Adams. And a bunch of other stuff because that's twenty one. I can't believe that that was the and that was end of the first round. I think it's a front loaded deal for him. That's a big reason for that. If you're looking at Gresham from this past year, that's way more than he's worth. If you're looking at his production for the last few years, I get it. I mean, he's gonna be a midfielder that gets some time in the four fifty. He's got that sort of burst. I think he's averaged just like like seventeen or eighteen disposals and exactly one goal per game for his career over. I think it's 136 games, and I'm really looking forward to what Essendon has to offer for next year. I still have so many questions about their defense, obviously, even with Ben McKay coming in. Just, I'm not sure if Ben McKay is all that, and I think his real focus is going to be being able to win now at Carlton in the first place. Geez, Goldstein, though, that, that one is still tripping me up. I get that, you know, he. I think he might have supported Essendon as a kid, and that Sam Draper, his injury is longer term. You can see him sidelined for part of next year. I think it's also a really important thing about Essendon with the rucks there for uh, for Nick Bryan's development. I think Goldstein will be really influential there. He's got two years left on his deal and clearly a lot to prove. I guess this almost takes us up to kind of where you ended knowing about. Yeah, let's see. North added Toby Ping. You have that list as, what is this, a uh, delisted free agent. He was a... Uh, the best defender in the Sandville this past year at Glenelg, and I find it surprising that one of the South Australian teams didn't pick it up. I was thinking in particular the Crows. Remember, they're going to be without Nick Murray for much of the season. Tom Duday's gone. James Borlase may not want to come back. He, he might try to get to Port, where his father played. So still a lot of questions there. And, and you said, you know, as soon as Murray's injury happened, this is way before we knew due date might want to go that his injury is going to be you know, the toughest to replace there. Other than that, uh, Brisbane getting a third rounder for former basketballer Tom Fullerton. I think this is mostly just ruck cover because, I mean, yes, Fullerton can have some forward time, but I can't see him being in the same lineup as both Max Gone and Jacob Van Royen. I, yeah, it's a depth move. Yeah, I mean, well, with Grundy gone, I, I think really this is just kind of we got to have something else there. And Fullerton wanted to go there. And so they made it work. Um, Grundy just getting back to being uh, a lone ruck and the main guy there in Sydney could do him some good. He's clearly not the type that can venture forward for long periods. And Gon's got more of the forward craft than than Grundy does. I mean, and if you remember when Gon was out near the, the start of the year, because he got injured, I think it was uh, early on in that round two power outage game with the Gabba. Grundy played the next three, four rounds as the primary ruck and did fine for himself. So he's still got that potential. You look at what he did in the final couple of years at Collingwood that weren't injury impeded either. So I think Melbourne made out okay here, not stellar. The return for Grundy for the Demons was pick 47, which they on traded for Tom Fullerton, and a second rounder for 2024. So I think they ended up okay there. And then Tyler Brockton for a third and a fourth. I think West Coast comes out pretty good on that one. Hawthorne were trying to really make a deal. They're trying to push him to to go to Frio instead, maybe get a friendlier trade for that. But he was adamant on going to West Coast. He's 
very, very good friends with Liam Ryan. And I think that influenced things more than anything. And look, if somebody wants to go to a team like that, all the power to them. Welcome home, Tyler. And welcome home, Matt Flynn as well. I, I don't think he's actually from the West, but I saw photos of him when he was younger in the Eagles jumper. So good enough. It It's still not going to be pretty for West Coast next year. And I hope they don't compromise too much in terms of next year's draft stock. I hope they stand firm on on pick one. I think they'll be more towards respectable, like I thought they were going to be this year. They won't be good, but they'll be respectabler. Respectabler. Um, that's a word. Maybe, I don't know, four or five wins. I don't think they'll have as many, that whole run of 100-point losses. I think the spoon is still on the table easily. Oh, yeah. All right. With that, I'm thinking we should take a break, and then we'll get into all the fun stuff that I don't know about. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I'll step aside for a second and kind of collect ourselves. I need to fill up my water. You know the deal, unless this is your first time listening to us, in which case, welcome. We're on Twitter, at Americans Footy. We are now on Instagram and Americans Footy as well, getting that started up. It was about time for a lot of reasons. Hopefully, we'll be able to reach a greater audience on that. We're also on YouTube under that same handle, and the Grand Final Recap is still getting decent listenership, so I don't know, maybe we're getting some traction there, and if I do that Gimme Gimme Guinea song, maybe, uh, we get some more listeners. Personally, I am at Castle Media. I am at BenjaminHK01. Brian Harambe is exclusively on Instagram at CatNameGrian. I mean, I'll post photos from time to time as well on the Americans Footy feed. I, I We did really need to post one early on, and we also want to make it clear, you know, he he's completely happy where he is. He He's not considering a move at all, um, unless it's, you know, a move to some other part of the house during the day. He was very, very content to just be sleeping on my bed, uh, I guess, earlier today or I guess yesterday in the morning at this point when I was watching the Netherlands upset South Africa in the Cricket World Cup. That was ridiculous. But uh, back to the footy, yeah? Yeah, I just want to mention I have beer. Unfortunately, it's not enough to really get my reactions like super animated. I mean, it's... If I had gotten something stronger than this 5% Oktoberfest, maybe we could be talking. Although 5% is, like, stronger than any beer in Australia. Really? It's, it's stronger than a lot of Australian beers. All right, then. Um, that's little stuff that's available at stadiums, because I've looked at, like, what people check in when they're at various sweaty grounds, and it's a lot of very light beers. Okay. So at this point, Ethan, you really... You told us what you know already about what happened... What do you know from Monday through Wednesday? We mentioned Biggie Nguyen, Liam Henry, Shane McAdam. Unfortunately, the the big shock in Jack Ginnivid. I know something involving Soldo and South Australian clubs. I know Asaba probably ended up getting moved to port. Uh, you, you mentioned Jack Billings. I'm, I'm not sure if I ever actually told you the full news there. I know Geelong wanted him, and then I think the D's had a shot at him. Did he end up going to the D's? Jack Billings, the former number three overall pick from back in 2013, he is a demon, damn it, and the return there is a third rounder for next year. That's it? I mean, he's he's 28, had been wavering between AFL and VFL time for a lot of the year, injured a decent portion of the year. I don't think this is going to be, you know, any overwhelming move. I mean, if I'm Geelong, I would have gone after him. It would have been a very Geelong thing to, like, bring in a 28-year-old, but I... I've, you know, my position on Geelong before the trade period was it's going to be tough for them to bring in a whole lot right now. And we didn't bring in like anybody, did we? We'll get to that. But, you know, Jai Clark is basically going to be brand new this coming year after coming back from the stress fracture. Still, I would have liked some interior midfield hell. Clark can provide that. Um, I'd rather have some experience in there, you know, because it's it's going to take more than just one guy. Ollie Dempsey's a bit on the outside, unless Jai Clark is like, Instantly, Tom Libertore or or Selwood. I mean, there there were some heavy Selwood comparisons in in that draft year, and um, but yep. we need like a libertype. I'll tell you right now, the Cats did hold on to pick eight, okay, which, which of course will end up being probably like pick ten or twelve because of compensation stuff or because of uh like matches for academy or father son bids. Yeah, um, you know, you know, all the compensation stuff that's done. 
because because free agency is done. Um, well, restricted anyway. Um, and, and anything that would unleash compensation then. So, I mean, you've got, I mean, obviously Jed Walter's going to be bid on before that. I think Jordan Croft could be bid on before that. A uh, son of Dogs player Matthew Croft. And any relation to Lara Croft? Uh, good guess. But no. Damn. I don't know anything about Tomb Raider, but I can make, I don't know, someone can make references somehow. I, I don't know. I don't know you, games unless they involve Mario or, or backyard games. I mean, you you made the reference, so there. I would love it, by the way, if it turned out that, like, Australians were randomly super into the old backyard sports computer games like I was. I feel like they totally could have caught on there. I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to find that out. I'm, I'm looking for, like, the most mundane moves. Or like the things that you would have known about. Let's uh, let's let's see. Um. Okay. So Jacob Kaczynski, you knew the rumblings about him. Nope. Okay. Well, it, it, I guess before there might have been some talk about him. I don't know. Been rumored for a while that he would go to Richmond. Okay. Earlier today, he was moved to Richmond for pick forty nine. So third round is there. That's just fair. Well, I have no strong opinion about that. I mean, you knew Hawthorne were looking to bring in another tall or two. Um, in, well, I mean, you know who the one that was really on their radar was? Uh, Gunston. Oh, you knew about that? I knew they were interested in bringing Gunston back. Okay, I was thinking more about Mabior, which you also knew. Ooh, did that end up happening? I'll tell you right now, Mabior Chol is a hawk. Damn, what did they give up to get him? Second rounder for next year, but they got the pick 62 as well. So, you know, you don't know if that's going to get used or how... I mean, you know that I think Chol is super underrated. He did have a couple of times last year where the effort was questionable, but I I really like what the Hawks have done this trade period. Like, I like their forwards to begin with. Yeah, le- leading goal kicker for the Suns in 2022, some like 44 goals then. Obviously, he can more than pinch it in the ruck. And I mean, maybe that makes it tougher for Lloyd Meek to get back in as much as we like him. I'm getting a feeling that Damian Hardwick looked closer and realized, no, it's not quite 80% of a premiership team. Uh, yeah, no. Maybe it's like 80% are at the club once you factor in these academy guys. Did the Suns make any other moves? Um, for picks? Did they bring in any other players? Or did they trade any other players out? They they did trade one man out. Elijah Hollins. To Carlton? Yes, he's reunited with his brother. He was pick number seven back in 2020, and... He basically was given up for free. So that seems like a pick that didn't entirely work out then. I like his brother, obviously. Well, so that's not a bombshell move. Ollie's definitely a winger. Elijah's more of an inside player, but had a tough time getting consistent games there. I like Ollie's energy. Oh, yeah. Huge believer in Ollie Hollins already. Had great had great impact as a sub, and then in the main 22 in finals, he was part of that passage that led to the winning goal in the semifinal, but... About Elijah, you know, much more of an inside guy, but was always, you know, going to play behind that trio at Gold Coast with Tuke Miller, Noah Anderson, Matt Rowell, Braden Fiorini was getting games over him. And I mean, I think now he's, he will have to sit, obviously, um, behind guys like Cripps, Chera, Walsh. Well, though Walsh is, Walsh could be a bit more on the outside. So maybe there's some opportunity there. I don't think it's going to come right away. I think you'll see him playing in the twos next year. Yeah. Um, probably not good if you draft a guy fifth overall and just a couple years later, you're basically giving him up for free. I mean, that's just the Gold Coast Suns, right? Yeah. Um, well, th- well, there's one guy who, you, who, uh, who the Blues drafted, I think it was what, third overall, uh, a number of years ago when people were clamoring for him to get game time and he finally did. And then he wanted out. So maybe Elijah Hollins ends up kind of sliding into a Patty Dow type situation. Ooh, where did Dow end up, other than, I'm guessing, not Jalon? No, he requested the Saints. I think I had heard a bit about that. You had. I, I met- so Jalon didn't add any players. Okay, fuck it, they didn't add anybody. That's what I thought. I- Andrew Mackey said kind of that, yeah, this is, I want to be a final team next well, year. And this, it, there's, there's potential with, you know, with not having many picks to deal with in the first place for this year, Andrew, Andrew Mackey admitted, um, you know, their hands were kind of tied in that aspect. So it doesn't entirely surprise me. Do it like the NBA and trade picks like eight years from now. You can only trade one year in advance. Damn it, I want to, I want to trade picks that are going to be used on kids that are currently in fifth grade. I mean, I think that's how 
Charles Barkley ended up getting drafted by the Sixers back in 84 was like a trade from 1978. Something You're like, seeing like in current trades, yeah, like a 2032 pick getting moved or something. I, it was like, you know what? There was one with the Thunder. I know the Thunder have a lot of picks for the next few years. That's all I know. That's the extent of my NBA trading knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I guess it's topical to talk about the Thunder if we're doing an Australian thing because Josh Giddy. Okay, let's see. What else? Um, wait, so so Patty Dow was part of that, was part of a four-team deal. Okay. I think I saw that Nick Caulfield's name was involved in some capacity. I don't know anything else. Caulfield, number eight pick from 2017, so five picks behind Patty Dow, marred by injury during his time at the Saints, missed basically two years, and will get a fresh start at the Dogs. Okay. I Well, they need depth. He could be a depth guy. They need depth in... So many ways. I mean, we've seen bits and pieces of Caulfield at his best in defense, and they do need some depth there, the Bulldogs. So looking at his Wikipedia page, he was studying at Deakin University, so I guess that could have also made Geelong a thing, but I don't know if there's necessarily a spot or need for him, so I'm not I'm not going to get too mad over that one. So Dow and Caulfield were the only two players that were traded as part of this four-team deal it was the Saints, Bulldogs, Blues, and Bombers. So Essendon got a second rounder for this year and a future fourth from the Blues. Uh, the Saints came out of this with Dow, pick 40, and a third from next year. The Bulldogs got a couple third rounders, which obvi- which I think will play into their chances on you know being able to match that Jordan Croft bit cleanly. The Blues ended up with three picks for next year, which you know goes along with what I was saying about looking to match bids for Andrew Walker and Scott Camparelli's kids. Got it. All right, let's try to clean up some of the other more mundane stuff. So let's see. Um, did the Lions do anything? The Lions? Uh, I don't think that's mundane. Oh. I don't, think, I don't think it's exactly mundane. Did it involve Jack Gumston? Can we save it? Fine. Let's go. Um, let's see. Well, you knew that Port was looking for Rucks, right? Yeah, and I know they were involved with Soldo. There was another name as well, Jordan Sweet. Uh, who okay, had, that makes sense. Who would think there had been some rumblings about that before I went dark? Okay, so um, who do you think they got, Soldo or Sweet? I think they got Soldo because I saw Soldo's name popping up more recently. It's a trick question. They got both. Ah. So, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, you know, Sam Hayes has not been given a contract for next year. Scott Lysette has not been given a contract either. So I think they're kind of starting fresh there in the ruck. And Soldo obviously has some forward capability as well. Decent set shot. Um, so sweet. Actually, I have to go over Soldo first. Uh, because this involved five picks changing hands with Richmond. Soldo would pick 50 for 41, 49, Frio second, and Ports fourth for next year. I like how Richmond came out on that. Yeah. Oh, I I really like that. They look, they needed to drive up the price on Soldo. He'd been pretty valuable to him when he'd been healthy. He'd been, obviously, the most like-for-like for Dan Curvis, who is the not, you know, the cleanest player. Sometimes he's damn entertaining. We're, we really like Nan Curvis, obviously, but should have had goal of the year in 2022. Yes, the the one out of the air, but you know, he has some trouble staying on the field between between injury and suspension. Okay, he's so kind of, I mean, what this, he's kind of a better, oh god, I'm thinking of it. Uh, kind of like a better Braden Proust in a lot of ways. I think he's got a much more level head than Braden Proust. Yeah. Um, so better in terms of both talent and in terms of not getting suspended as much. Yeah. So uh, what this does is I think it really means Richmond are going to be back against Samson Ryan, which I like because he's damn entertaining. And I mean, you saw what he did in some of the time he had this year. Maybe needs to bulk up a bit, but has yeah. forward craft. And keep going young if you're Richmond. Samson Ryan, Ben Miller, obviously is a tall who can play throughout the ground. Ruck, you see him sometimes go back in defense, had to improve his goal-kicking form during the season. He was my sleeper pick uh, for Richmond this past year. So, you know, just gonna gonna keep bringing his name up as well, Ben Miller. So I, I before we go on, Yvonne Soldo reminds me of what I wanted to mention. Oh, okay, well, was it? So I didn't want to do this at first, but I feel like we have to contribute to the Taylor Travis discourse. And I found out that Yvonne Soldo is dating some Instagram model, which I think is really funny because like if you were to pick, I mean, I, I wouldn't call her a celebrity, but if you were to pick, you know, which players 
would date a celebrity, he would probably be towards the bottom of the list. So I was just thinking, in spirit of the question that was asked on Baseball Barbacast, which again is the show, we're kind of modeling this episode after, who would be the funniest players to be in relationships with someone famous? And I came up with two answers. I was just wondering if you had any answers before I gave mine. I mean, I think it would be really funny if it was like someone really short. So I'm I'm instantly thinking like, well, Liam Ride isn't really short, but you know, he's definitely on the shorter side. Caleb Daniel, obviously. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna go. Um like who else did I recently realize was short? I don't remember. I it would be funny if it were someone like Braden Proust, just with how reckless he is on the oval. That's kind of in the spirit of one of the people I came up with. I guess less reckless, but after realizing that Riley O'Brien's actually pretty smart, I thought he wouldn't fit. Someone else is just kind of like big guy hit ball. I think, I, yeah, like Riley O'Brien, brilliant. Like he's, yeah, he's going to end up, he's going to end up a doctor and probably should have been the one administering the concussion assessments rather than Mark Fisher. Anyway, I thought Jared Witz would be a funny one just after thinking about it. Witz? Oh, I'm scratched the yeah, Okay. Witz, okay. And then I was thinking of one other, but do you have any other suggestions first? I, I want to hear this. Tom Cole, because he's kind of funny looking. <laughs> uh, I, that's not a, I know these aren't like great answers. Yeah, I feel like uh, there are other sports that have some personalities that are kind of yeah. bigger for this. A healthy Tom Cole is something that I'm just kind of, is I think is a requisite for the Eagles to beat any semblance of decent next year. Like if his ankle cooperates, then I think they'll be a decent amount better. But, uh, you know, I had to mention that pick 50 was involved because the power then on traded pick 50 to the Bulldogs for Jordan Sweet. So that was straight up there. Got it. But I am I needed to mention Yvonne Soto, and I'm restraining myself from laughing here because this was the start of, uh, of you know, Port's graphics team, you know, putting out stuff. And they had not been having a great time. Like some of the stuff from the John Cahill medal was hard to read. And then, oh, yes, I, I know about this. I know what you're getting at. You've seen the graphic? Let me guess, you saw the one for a software? No, I've seen people talking about it. I think I can put together what it is. I am now showing it to Ethan. Lakomwe. I, I think it's Afrikaans, and so you pronounce it like Lakomwe. <laughs> I was. Is, is that the name of the episode? Lakomwe? I've got to send that to people who would understand this. That's that's really good. N now I'm thinking of like you know the the meme with like the the crying woman and then the cat like the the woman's like crying welcome and the cat's just sitting there saying lukumwe or it could be is it lukumwe ah uh, nah the, well, the the L is below the C uh, well for some of them it's more pronounced you know what lukumwe sounds lukumwe or lukumwe sounds even more Afrikaans doesn't it yeah. But I was thinking maybe it was Welsh, but no, like between Lakumwe and Klumwe, this is Afrikaans. That's that's good. So I was laughing hysterically when I saw this earlier. You were not home when it happened. Yeah, that's that's fucking funny. Like Plumwe. Klumwe. Or, or, or Lakumwe. I think Lakum was our title though, yeah? All caps? Something like that. Okay. So, um, from now on, instead of Lahaya, we say Lakumwa. <laughs> to life, to life, Lakumwa. Okay, so you know about. I, I just need to keep track of what we've already talked about. So you know about Port's ruck dealings. We talked about the four way trade already. Uh, let's see. Let's stay on the topic with Port. What did we get for Asaba? 25. Okay. 76 and 94. Okay. Doesn't blow me away, but pretty good. It's basically what you could get because Port are already stretched. Uh, Port were stretched pretty thin on draft picks from the Ruck dealings. So we entered the draft with eight and twenty-five men. Yeah, uh, eight, twenty-five, seventy-six, eighty-seven, ninety-four. Okay, and, and I don't hate it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I give it like a solid B plus on the return. Just my overall grade for the trading period is a C because I would have liked to actually add people. I think the preseason draft is going to be a really important period for them. It's going to have to be. Yeah. Um. Because I mean, just this that is not a good enough midfield right now. Yeah. But uh, at this point, once that trade had been done, Port were left with no draft picks. So they did something to get more, or they're just rolling with none. Well, I think that's a pretty severe penalty if they do get have no draft picks, unless. I think they're selling with rookie elevations involved as well. They also, you know, already dealt away their first for next year. That was to get 
Horn Francis? No, no, that was no, no, no. That was in the the pick swap with Frio. That was what got them. Right. That was what got them twenty five and a second for next year in the first place. So okay. yeah, Port were dry at that point, like completely dry in the draft. Well, I just went to save the Lacumwa, so I saw. I guess they traded away something. I didn't see a face, but there was a thank you in there. I think. Well, first off, did they say thank you or did they say like that? I I I don't know. Um. Well, you knew which which poor pl- that there was a poor player that was wanting out. Maybe. Oh wow, it actually does say just thank you. Okay, but you know who the poor. <laughs> I didn't realize they had fun with it too. Did you see the? <laughs> Yeah, yes, you know, poor, poor had fun with it at the end. Had been locking off after a long day, <laughs> saying Lakumwe, Lakumwe. Okay, well they say it's Lakumwe, so I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna trust them. But okay, this trade, I guess this trade isn't surprising now that I'm reading it. It looks like something that basically was kind of in the works. Well, yeah, well Xavier Durswell wanted to go to Essendon, and there was someone from Essendon that wanted to go to Port. Brandon Zerk Thatcher. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, so that did happen, and Port got a fourth rounder out of that. So they're just at pick 73 right now. Now, pick swaps can still happen, you know, up to and including the draft. Um, Port got a couple fourth rounders for next year out of that as well. Essendon were really trying to poach a second rounder for next year, and just Port ended up not budging. So my question now is, does Essendon, who currently have pick nine, try to jump up a little bit? And try to take Xavier Dersma's brother Zane. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems... The odds of Zane getting to Geelong are like zero, huh? Especially if Essendon trade up. Now, I... Maybe Geelong could somehow trade up. Ooh, that, I think that's unlikely. It's tough with the limited capital they have. But I am really wanting to hear now from uh, from Dean, the Dersma's father. We, we, he's, uh, we follow each other on Twitter, and I just kind of want to hear his thoughts on the whole thing. I'm thinking this is a pretty good opportunity for Xavier to get the time on the wing that he's been looking for because you could have him playing opposite Nick Martin or Sam Durham because I imagine Martin's going to get some more inside time. He showed well there as well. So, you know, you've got three players now at Essendon on the younger side of things that you could throw out on the wing. And that's going to be really important to their to any of their movement for the next number of years. All right. Staying on the subject, is that it for Port Adelaide? Did we go over everything? I mean, oh yeah, I, I just want to mention real quick. I think that Geelong were really just toying with Port the whole time and making him hold up on everything. Also, people pointed out, um, you know, two of the picks involved that in the trade that Geelong got were 25 and 94. Add that up. <laughs> yes, 119 rears its head again. Fuck you, Kane. All right, so... Um, but that's all for Port. Did nothing happen with, like, Orazio Fantasia then? Um, no, but he still could move to the Giants. Sounds like the Giants are wanting to bring him in, so he could... I, I don't think the power going to block that move if he wants it. So, you know, obviously, some delisted free agency stuff could still happen. Might as well bring this up now then. Um, so Essendon kind of fucked up on understanding the rules of something. Oh, and it nearly cost them, but they managed to salvage a trade. So apparently, if a second-year player who's been a rookie both years declines a third-year uh, rookie contract, they become basically a delisted free agent and can walk for free. Now, there was an Essendon player who was in that situation, and one that we really like. We think he should have been playing a lot more. Massimo? Massimo D'Ambrosio. Essendon did salvage a trade for him. They got pick 61, a third-rounder, and a fourth rounder for next year tied to Collingwood. So D'Ambrosio is now a Hawk. Damn it. God, Hawthorne really came out of this really well. Yeah, so so this trade here, so yeah, they got Chol, they got Massimo, they dealt away Kaczynski, they brought in Gidevin, uh, and they still have pick four. Maybe Hawthorne making finals next year isn't that ridiculous after all. I still don't know if it's enough to jump eight teams, but these guys are going to be good. And you're gonna actually have a reason to hate them. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not enjoying. Um. Let's see. Did we? Um. I mean, there's just two more moves to go. Actually. Um. Seriously, that's it. We've gone through a lot. Even. Well, what ended up happening? We never got to what happened with Schultz. That's one of them. 
That went through on Monday. So that happened very quickly. Schultz for pick 34, which Collingwood had acquired in that Taylor Adams trade, and a future first. I think that's a pretty good return. I still think, I think really highly of Schultz. I do too. People are questioning whether he's going to be the right sort of fit at Collingwood. I, th- I think he's a good fit anywhere. Their forward pressure this coming year is going to be scary between Schultz, McCreary, Elliott, Bobby Hill, Harvey Harrison can put some on. I mean, if you're just basically upgrading from Ginevan to Schultz, again, it, they'll figure out how to fit him. I, I really, really like Lockie Schultz, and I, and I think they could have gotten more for him. I think people are going to realize now just how good this guy is. I mean, we've said it for a solid two years, I think. I've been harping on it this past year. If he played for a perennial contender and or a Victorian team, he would be a household name. There's a real chance for that to happen now. All right, so the other one that I haven't gotten to, you hinted that it involves the Lions. Yes. Uh-huh. I guess this seems to be a significant one if I didn't know the way you hinted at it. Was it, like, actually significant? I call it pretty significant. It's uh, eight pieces moving. Okay. Well, six of them are picks, but... Well, I want to ask first off, does it involve Jack Gunston? It does. Is he going back to Hawthorne? He is. Who is going from Hawthorne to Brisbane? Is anybody? Yeah. Okay, so first off, I, I want to address something else before we get to that, something Lions related. Okay, shoot. So it became known in the last couple of weeks, especially through Shea Maxi guy, that Reese Matheson is a complete fucking wacko. And I just wanted to address that because first off, American sports has a large share of those, you know, birthers. 9-11 truthers, Sandy Hook truthers such as Matheson, uh, COVID wackos, you name it. Unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no, Aaron Rodgers is like a 6 out of 10 on the wacko scale. But it, I just thought, first off, it's funny to know that you have your wackos too. I, I mean, it's not shocking. But also that that was revealed through a video that the club put out where like Stephen Martin's going around the rooms asking players just what's up. And that's what, that's first off what Matheson had to say. And second, that nobody looked at this during editing. Like, maybe we shouldn't have this there. How recent was this? Well, this had to have been a couple of years ago. It was like 2019 or something. Considering Steph Martin wasn't there past 2020. But yeah, it's like, did Stephen Martin play for the Bulldogs in the grand final in 2021? Yeah. But this is, I don't know, it's just wild to me. And I... I just felt the need to mention it because I didn't have a better time to. Okay. Yeah. All right. So who did the Hawks send to the Lions? This is going to surprise you. Brandon Ryan. Darn, I was hoping this would be more of a blockbuster thing. It's like, he's an interesting young piece. Three games. Hawks fans are not happy they gave up on him so quickly. Like, it, it's it's less of a blockbuster because the, the real blockbuster you already learned about. I mean, he's already 25, but uh, he's going to be 26 star next year. It's more of a puzzler that you're going to, that we're ending on here. But it's, uh, so Brisbane get Brandon Ryan, 39, 54, and Hawthorne's fourth for next year. The Hawks bring back Gunston. They get 47, 61, and Brisbane's second next year. So Gunston can be in sort of a mentoring role there. Gunston and Bruce can do some good with their forwards. Um, I think the big thing is that it would just, it was just going to be a very tall look for the Hawks if Ryan stayed and and I'm just thrown off by the fact that he that he was thrown around so quickly because that was very sudden like this all was going to play into me like leading up to the Ginevan talk um but you kind of learned about that and really leaving like I had I not known I mean I had in my notes like to go like with Schultz and, and Gunston last to lead up to that but um so once Schultz came in on Monday also apparently he pronounces it weirdly listening to him talk so maybe that's where it comes from um but once he came in i think that was when Gidevin realized like oh i'm gonna have a hard time getting in here and you know already some friction at the club maybe so maybe it's best for me to look elsewhere i've got my medal maybe let's look at you know some premiership window that's gonna open up soon and hey my childhood club is in that situation all right, so that's where that is. So I, I, I think I think if that's how Ginnaman was thinking about it, and there are some other, you know, rumors, obviously, because there are always rumors around Ginnaman. Yeah. Okay, do you, oh, do we have to address them? 
Sure. Okay. Um, there are rumors about, believe it or not, revenge porn involving Dan McStay because there was a rumor that McStay had been the one to leak the ketamine video. Huh. But I think the fact that this trade happened so cleanly and nothing came from the club, you know, no, no, like no foreboding, like post that just says club statement. Okay. Means that I don't think anything came of it. All right. But, you know, keep an eye on that, but probably downplay it unless we have reason to believe it. Uh, that, that, that's what I strongly believe. I would, uh, I, I just had this whole thing laid out to lead up to that huge Gideon bombshell. That's why this ends kind of in this sort of anticlimactic way. Okay. But we, we've really, I mean, we've gone through the trades now. I mean, looking at, you know, I guess we could talk a little bit about winners and losers here. I mean, I think Hawthorne have come out of this very, very well. I was going to say them, and then I was going to say probably Collingwood came out pretty well, even with giving up Genevin, because I think Schultz is awesome. They got Schultz, and they managed to use that Adams return to do that, so not a huge loss on their part. Um, Essendon obviously brought in their players through free agency. Gresham, Mackay, Goldstein. I'm more mixed on them. I mean, I... I think North has come off very well also, considering this is going to be a top-heavy draft class. Um, you know, people think this draft could be over in three rounds, maybe, hmm. or, or, or like three and a half. And North come out of this with picks two, three, 15, 17, and 18. Hell yeah, baby. We got 76, 87, and 94. So I maybe I'm just, I feel like every fan will they, think their team came out losers and didn't do enough. They They came out with, so Geelong came out with seven. With they started with just eight and eighty-seven. So again, their hands will really tie this yeah, trade. Period. I just I would have liked to do more. I think there were a couple of other guys. Maybe we could have looked at moving. They were a little bit further down the list just to get something. Again, if with consent trading rules, it's very very difficult. Uh, uh, the Bulldogs ended up with a lot of picks, but I don't know what to make of them in terms of like making this their window. Uh, well, I mean. They've got a huge gap between their second, uh, between their first and their second five, yeah, all the way down to forty-eight. Again, I think a lot of that late stuff is going to be fodder for um before the Jordan Croft bid, and then I suppose they because they've got forty-eight, fifty, fifty-two, three, six, sixty-nine, nice, and then I and seventy-two. Those are all worth some sort of points. Sixty-nine was Geelong's originally. Yeah, uh, I think should have hung on to that. I think maybe that was traded to Brisbane and then the Bulldogs as part of the kind of getting the picks required to make the Dunkley deal feasible last year. Okay, because I think that's how Geelong's third or fourth changed hands. Okay, so everyone thinks unless you actually got like a big piece that your team came out of this illusion and that's normal, except for Hawthorne. I think people are very, very... They got big pieces, so I think... I mean, yeah. Hawthorne, I'm sure Collingwood fans, well, I mean, I, I don't think, do you think, I mean, Gunston coming back is kind of catharsis. You've got a name, you got a big name with potential in Ginevan. Troll has the potential as well. I mean, there's nothing that, that screams. I well, like these moves. Well, I, I mean, Hawthorne's the winner here. I, I think Sam Mitchell, Mark McKenzie, they've, you know, it's a very clear club vision. And I think they've got the right people in the right places to make very, very good on it. I, if you weren't a Geelong fan, you would be like, like have, probably have this team like pretty high up in 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 a lot of your evaluations. Oh no, I like how they're building things. I've said that from the start. It, it's just a matter of like actually appreciating them once they get good. I don't want, yeah, it's like I don't want this to happen, but I respect the process. Yeah. Um. So the dogs end up with with ten picks. The Suns have ten as well. None of them are that high though. Um, but again, they need to match like three or four academy bids. So. That's that. Richmond, I'm kind of on. I guess they came out fine. I well, well, remember they didn't have their top pick to begin yeah, with because of the uh, Tim Tarano deal. I like what the D's did coming out of this with six and eleven. I mean, they had six coming in, obviously. Right. And I think I want to ask you, and then I'll give my evaluation on who I think the biggest loser is. I think there are a couple teams out of this that came out kind of strange, being Essendon and Port, but I wouldn't call either of them losers. I mean, there's one team that I look at here as a loser. S- so Essendon, obviously, again, their biggest names came through free agency. I think Essendon will know pretty quickly if they won or lost. And they still got pick nine. 
Uh, this is it's an interesting farewell for Adrian Dodoro because this is his last trade period before uh, former Eagle Matt Rosa takes the reins. And I guess we wish him well, or do we? I don't know. Dodoro's been entertaining. And then obviously, Port having such a limited draft hand, well, it, it basically means they they are they're the same boat. We're like we will know very very quickly if things work for them and. You know, if 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 they don't get further than next than they did this year, I think you have to call twenty twenty four a failure for, for Port. You don't make a prelim, yeah, unless like the entire team gets hurt or something. You know, there are always circumstances. I mean, they were people have been really really high on Radigolea fitting into that defense, being able to play maybe a bit more loosely, a bit of a less defined role compared to where Chris Scott had him. Ben Dixon was of the belief that he was the one piece that the power need. Listening to some of the Fox Footy content, he and David Zito were right on saying, you know, they finished top four last year with a back unit that fell apart throughout the year. It was to the point that Tom Jonas wasn't getting game time. Trent McKenzie was in and out of the group. Riley What's a Bonner was forgot. There, there were others just like a whole cat shuffling around a leer. I'm wondering why they didn't try putting Jeremy Finlay set back back a bit more. The real loser out of this stuff, yeah, because I have one, and I'm wondering if you think if you think the same. Are you looking mostly by draft hand here? No, just looking at overall. Just looking at like teams with few picks. You know, we said we said the Crows actually came out pretty well through all this. They've got three top twenty picks and brought in some for some extra forward support. So, so they've come out of this okay. I mean, Geelong obviously were just again. Not able to do all that much. Eagles not wanting to do much because pick one. Can't hit on that. I think the biggest loser out of this, is it Frio? Yep, that is exactly who I think it is. Because of Schultz and um, and maybe you know not as great a return on him or Henry as you would have thought. Yeah, I think when they come out of this, dra- this trade period and look at everything they did, you look at who you gave up and you're telling me that the highest pick you have this year is number 34. Well, it's b- because they'd given up their first they'd given up their first two picks already. And yes, they do have a first for next year coming out of it, but they gave up a lot. They did. Um so I think the Schultz one was a bit of a blind side, but this is already a team that's slipping. It's disappointing. I want this derby to mean something. I want the Eagles making a contest with them if not beating them to mean something. And look, I, I like a lot of their list to begin with. I think Jai Amos is going to continue progressing. I mean, he was doing sort of Jeremy Cameron-like things at, in a teenage year. Tom Emmett finally came into things at the end of last year. I think, you know, with Schultz gone, you're going to need someone like Bailey Banfield or Tom Emmett to really, really step up in that pressure forward role. Did you see much of Emmett's games because he played the last two rounds? Have you gone back and taken a look at that? Not really. That, that's a name that, that I want you to watch for, Tom Emmett for Frio, a mature age guy out of the sandful who battled cancer and a severe Achilles injury to get to that point. So, you know, that's someone who I really want you to take a look at. Maybe if you go back and watch those final couple rounds for him, his debut came against Port. In fact, um, I think he had like three or four goals across those games. And obviously, though, we think Banfield belongs in the in the 22, if not the 18. Yeah. And, and then on the outside as well, I mean, I hope Nathan O'Driscoll doesn't get wasted. Yeah, there's in and out of the side again this year. Not as not prioritized as much. Not anything overwhelming in terms of results from his Peel Thunder outings. I know they made it to the Waffle Grand Final and lost. Confused by where the Dockers stand now, because it seems a very far cry from having played in finals about 13 months ago. I think that's all the trades and the picks and the hats. Oh, I need a West Coast Eagles. The sun is my enemy hat, don't I? I guess so. All right. I don't know the next time we're going to be on. Um, I mean, I, I think we're going to do. I mean, I don't think we're too long from getting the fixtures because I remember last year was something like, was it November or December that we got? I don't know. I do know that there's talk about the idea of Collingwood traveling to GWS and the D's traveling to Sydney for round one, which would be it would, stupid. It would be a split round one, too. I think trying to take advantage of the NRL opening up in Vegas. I have no idea how that's going to go either. I think I actually think well, probably going to draw well because there are Australians everywhere. 
yeah, I, I just don't want the league to do something stupid, but they'll probably do something stupid. Look, if you're the reigning premiers, you should open at home. And I mean, like, an actual home game, not, a, you know, your sort of second home. I mean, the MCG doesn't have faulty steel. I know. Hey, you can look look forward to the Cats having, you know, an actual Virginia Park next year. Yeah, let's do that. That would be cool. And where, I mean, when the fixture comes out, we'll go through, you know, seeing what, like, possibilities for first-time occurrences there are. And I think really our priority now is getting some interviews together and, and just getting some more guests on here. We've been on, obviously, Coach Donnie Hess's show, been on with Craig Wessels for me, I on the footy, cast fan like Ethan out in Ohio. Those two were a couple who really got us into the U.S. footy sphere right away. So I want to repay the favor there. Got some Australian names I wanted to get on as well. And I mean, I think we'll just kind of have free reign this offseason. So I'm looking forward to that. So keep following us wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Americans Footy. Me at BenjaminHK01 on Twitter. I am at Castle Media. Grian Harambe is on Instagram at CathNameGrian. It is late, and I'm working not all that long from now, and I want to push this. So uh, here we go with the editing, I guess. Thank you.